Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the very first yeah. Habits of the Home podcast, Woo-hoo. which is a, oh, it's very exciting. This is a <laughs> podcast from the family at Lagan Valley Vineyard, and it's so good to have you all with us. Uh, I'm Stu. I'm married to Emma. I am dad to Eliza, who is 14 weeks old right now, so I didn't really have a ton of sleep last night. But uh, it's also my joy to be one of the pastors at Lagan Valley Vineyard, and I am joined today by my dear friend, Dana. So good to have you here. Dana, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. I am so excited that we're finally doing this, that I nearly forgot that I do need to introduce myself. A lot of people in our community know who I am, but if you don't know who I am, my name is Dana. I am full-time working wife and mother. I have three children, um, and uh, they all thankfully are sleeping. So I did get a, a wee bit of sleep last night. But yeah, I, um, I've been dreaming about doing a podcast with Stuart Bothwell for years. And you kept being like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. it's a bit standoffish for a while. I know, we made it. We made it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. We are doing this because we have created a family prayer book for our church family at Lagan Valley Vineyard. And it's a prayer book to journey through the really rich season of Advent. And we want families, whole families to gather together in their homes to do this together through a daily rhythm of blessings and prayers and scripture readings as we open ourselves up to the arrival of Jesus once again. And I guess our desire is to encourage our whole church family to engage in an intentional rhythm of prayer, but particularly in moments whenever it's really special for the church to gather together to do this. So times like Advent and Lent are really, really important in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so As we do this thing for the very first time, we thought it would be helpful just to record a conversation between the two of us, just to walk you as our community through how to put this into practice, how to share this with your family. But we also want to take time to share our heart around this intentional, habitual way of praying together in our homes. And so that's what this podcast is all about. It's just an opportunity for us to guide our community through how to use this prayer book to introduce this pattern, but also to equip each of us as we look to put this into place, into the rhythm of our of our homes. And um, Dana, I guess I want to kick off with the first question, which is, why are we doing this? Why have we spent some time in the past couple of months conspiring to create this prayer book and also to have this conversation? Why are we doing this? Absolutely. I mean, that is probably the most important question, isn't it? Yeah. To give context of how we got here, because this isn't like something we just thought about like a month ago. Right. This has been cooking in both of us for years yeah, now. Um, I remember, um, I, I grew up in the charismatic church, and we're not known for our liturgical rhythms. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, that's right. just not what I, what I grew up doing. And so this isn't something that came out of sort of my childhood or my even understanding of um, the Christian faith and how to live out the Christian faith. But I do remember, um, I have a good friend, um, good friends, Alan and Rachel, um, who have three wonderful kids. And I remember chatting one day to Al, and he said something that that actually blew my mind. And it, w- it was like a passing thing. He was talking sure. about his childhood. And he painted this picture of these moments, those regular moments in, in his life as a child, where him and all of his cousins and siblings would come, and they would sit at the feet of his grandfather or grandmother, and they would open up the Bible, and it was like the King James Version, and like read them like large chunks of scripture. And he was saying it in a way um, sort of to highlight 
how beautiful this memory was to him. And if you know anything about this, the wider family, sure. Al's wider family, yeah, yeah. they are a family steeped in the love of the scriptures. Absolutely. I mean, they, Al can recite large, sometimes I feel embarrassed at how much I don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Bible. Totally. totally He's like, you know fit. that scripture in Isaiah? I'm like, yeah, I, totally, I read that yesterday. <laughs> I didn't even know that was in it. Right. You know? And so for me, that caused me to have this moment where I was like, what am I giving my kids? Yeah. Like when they're grown. Yeah. What are they going to be talking about? What? How will they describe what it was like to grow up in our house sure. spiritually? I mean, sure. most of you know, but I'm married to Andrew Masters, who's the lead pastor yep. at Lagan Valley Vineyard, works with Stu. And so in my head, I'm like, what is that? What would that mean for my children? Mm. And so for me, that was the beginning of my journey of going I need. I think we need rhythms. Yeah. I think we need yeah. something that we do consistently, no matter how we feel, right. no matter how crazy life is. I think we need anchors. Mm. We need something. Um, and I just realized I'm. I am planting seeds in my kids. Sure. I'm planting them. Yeah. What seeds am I planting? It's good. <laughs> do you yeah, know what I 100%. mean? 100%. There will be some things that grow. There, there's going to be some things growing out of our family, growing out of our kids. Yeah. What is it going to be? Right. What am I tending? Am I tending to the soil? Am I cultivating my hopes and dreams for them? Mm. You know, I, most people of faith, I think, hope that their children are people of faith when right. they leave their home. Yeah, absolutely. But there's hoping, and then there's doing the actual work, isn't there? That's really good. So for me, this Advent book started and is very personal. Mm. It is literally the rhythm of my home right now. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so when I looked up and I looked around in our, in our community and I started talking to my friends, I realized that there was a need. There, was a, there wasn't something that was built for the entire family to do yeah. together that was just as enriching for every single member of the family. Right. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. I mean, what's, what's your why? I think... As we have been chatting and working through this and writing these prayers together and pulling the scripture readings together, I've been drawn to a quote from one of my favorite writers, Tish Harrison Warren, who in her brilliant book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, she says this, uh, let me quote her, the often unseen and unsung ways we spend our time are what form us. Our mundane moments rooted in the communal practices of the church shape us through habit and through repetition moment by passing moment into people who spend their days and therefore their lives marked by the love of God. Mm. And we're going to talk about this a lot over the next couple of episodes, but Advent, I think more than any other time in our lives and particularly in our years, it, it reminds us that the dailiness of things is where Jesus builds his own the most. Mm. And so often, again, I was up in the middle of the night with Eliza last night. I know that some of your kids were sick this week. Mm -hmm. Life is hectic, mm. it is messy, it is chaotic, and it's so easy to overlook those moments. Absolutely. And yet I think Advent reminds us that those are the moments where Jesus comes and he inhabits mm. and he becomes very human and into the most human aspects of our lives, I think that is where he wants to encounter us the most. Mm. And so I guess the question that we've been sitting with is what does it look like in the dailiness of our lives to experience Jesus? 
And the other thing, I guess, for me is that time is always moving very, very quickly. Mm. And we live in the time of no room. It feels as if just everything is happening so fast. And yet I do think we're invited to mark time Mm -hmm. intentionally and to slow time right the way down. Mm -hmm. And I think those slower times are the things that we remember most. Whenever we choose to do something differently, whenever we choose to get into a rhythm and a habit that becomes very, very deep for us, it's similar to what Al's reflection of his past. He remembers his grandfather taking time to sit with him, to slow time down whenever there probably was a lot more things that he could have been doing, uh, to mark that moment and actually have a space where time does slow Mm -hmm. and where you're able to enter into a different space and to engage with Jesus in a different space. And life is hectic right now. And I know because I know that for many, if not most of the folks in our community, life is very full. Life is very quick. And so for us to be able to encourage everybody to slow time down Mm -hmm. this Advent, I think is really, really important. Absolutely. Uh, I guess that for me, the big why though, is um, let me let me just open up uh, Deuteronomy chapter six. Um, the the main why for us is that we want for our kids, uh, for our families, but also for the whole of Lagan Valley Vineyard to be the kind of people who embody uh, the ancient call of the Shema, which is um, found in Deuteronomy six, uh, which says this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart." all your soul and with all of your strength. That is our desire for our kids, for ourselves, uh, for our whole families and for the family of of Lagan Valley Vineyard, that we would be the kind of people that learn across the whole of our lives to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our strength. But after that, it goes on to say how we get to do this. And um, it says this, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them whenever you sit at home and whenever you walk along the road, whenever you lie down and whenever you get up. Tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I love this this ancient call to devote our whole lives to God. It is worked out in the daily expression of our lives. It is worked out in what we do every single day. And I love that. And I love that... Uh, even in the ancient text, that that is how we do this. That yeah. is how we work this stuff out. Absolutely. So we want to name something as we work through this because this project, we have kids right at the forefront of our minds. Mm. And yet this isn't a kid's prayer book. No, it isn't. And uh, we want this to be something that is for the whole family. We want this to be something that our kids repeat year on year they grew up through and it would be easy for us to write a kids prayer book and then maybe for somebody else to develop a prayer book for teenagers or a prayer book for young adults or a prayer book for for older folks but we have decided to intentionally go after a family prayer book that is for the whole family it means that we all have to stretch in different directions as we try to encourage our youngest kids along or as we encourage our kids to actually stretch themselves in some of their yeah. thinking and in some of their development. Why have we decided to do it in this way, to yeah. develop a family prayer book as opposed to a prayer book that is just for one generation? Why have we decided to do it for all generations? Do you know what's crazy is I, 
you know, my kids and I have an 11 year old and two nine year old boys. And I remember trying to engage with them in sort of like spiritual ways when they were wee. Sure. And I hated those books. Yeah, yeah. They were so like, ding, 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 you know, <laughs> right. and they, they right. have their place. By the way, I'm not knocking them. They yeah, have their yeah, place. Yeah. But I think it was because there was something in me that was like, I want to do this with you. Sure. I want to experience this with you. Yes. And I have this vision of families, and my family in particular, you know, 20, 30 years' time. Sure. And that idea that we have been walking together with Jesus using this resource, this rich resource. And, and these prayers and this resource you've been saying since you were eight years old. Right. And they are just as important. A few years ago, I started to work with uh, the Gettys, mm -hmm. who are some of Northern Ireland's yeah. best, maybe only, hymn writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sing their songs. We yeah, sing yeah, their yeah, songs. Yeah. Totally. Christ alone, totally. all this stuff. And yeah. I only discovered them when I moved to Northern Ireland. Sure. And so for me, the idea of a hymn, they were all the hymns were written. Again, yes. this is me growing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were too busy swinging from the chandeliers to to know that hymns were still being written. Right. And and so when I moved here and discovered in Christ alone, like that was old news for you guys. Yeah, I was yeah. like having a moment in this Presbyterian church weeping over the it's rich, and yeah. It's so rich. And I remember thinking when when I grew up, we had kids worship. And sure. I was showing uh, my daughter some of the kids worship, like the salty hymn books. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was like, the Lord told Noah there's going to be sure. a floody, floody. And while that was fun, um, I think for me, the idea that when I learned Amazing Grace as a three-year-old, mm. that that hymn would be... And it was beautiful as a three-year-old. I love singing Amazing Grace. Yeah. I didn't know exactly what it meant. Yes. But it was moving. I yes. could sense in that my there was, kids' there was heart something that there was to, something yes. big to it. Because I saw how the adults sang it. And I right. had this sense also that I wasn't, I was holding something that was precious. And it was like a, it was, I got to sing the adult song, right? And so, but that song, I've watched my grandfather before he died. Mm you know, be sort of sick and, and his mind is going. He can't remember my name, but he is humming Amazing Grace wow. under his breath wow. and having this moment with Jesus. Yes. And for me, I was like, that's what I want from my kids. I want to give them things that will carry them through all the seasons of life. You know, I love Salty, <laughs> but Salty ain't carrying me through hard times right now. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so... For us, we talked about it, the importance of creating a resource that would see these children through all the seasons of their lives and their children and yeah. their children's children. And I think the trick to that is when I was going to my grandmother's church mm. when I was very little, yeah. it was like this tiny Baptist church sure. in rural southern part of the States. There was no kids ministry. Yeah. You went to church yeah, yeah. with the adults yeah. and sat in a five hour Sunday service. Wow. Okay. Five hours. And you sat down. I 
you didn't get to, you didn't bring no toys. You brought some mints. I remember this. You could have some mints, a pencil, and a piece of paper. And then you took a nap. And that was it. (laughs) I don't know what we need to do for five hours, but obviously some work needed to be done. And so I sometimes I think to myself, I've told myself my children can't. They're too Mm. young to fill in the blank, whether that's uh, be a part of worship service, listen to a sermon. Sure. And the reality is our kids, for the most part, kind of do what we expect them to do. Yeah. Like we've seen that over the generations. And so part of me, when we went to do this, I thought, what what part of this is me saying my kids can't, but actually it would be quite amazing for them to do it. Yeah. And over the last couple of years, particularly during the lockdowns, yeah. I this was all experimental in my family. The, what we have come up with We've been sort of testing it, road testing it in our family. And I'll tell you what, a lot of times it's chaos and it's crazy. Yeah. But then there's these times where the kids are like, they get it. Sure. They are here for it. They are reminding me of what we prayed, of what we said, of what is true. And that has been something that has enriched my walk with Jesus, that family the family interacting mm. with the word of God together. Right. Them seeing right. Andrew and I wrestle with the scriptures, right. pray the scriptures, even we're like, we don't feel like doing this, yes. but we're still going to do this. Yeah, that's so good. Do I, you know what I mean? Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of dedicating um, two brothers mm-hmm. in church. And I, I was struck by the liturgy that we use whenever we're dedicating our kids. And there's a there's a moment whenever we ask the parents or the carers to to make a vow, essentially, yeah. like similar whenever we're getting married. And we, we say this, for those of you who are part of our church, you'll have heard us say this many times before, but we call parents to this promise where we say, do you promise with God's help to raise your children in the training of God's word and the community of the church to pray with them and for them, and this is a really important line, to live before them as oh. Christian parents who are yourself subject to the Lord and do you promise to avail yourself of all the means of grace and to do your utmost to lead your children into a real and fully surrendered friendship with Jesus at an early age. I was so struck two Sundays ago by that line, which I've said many times before, but it really just clicked with me two Sundays ago, what it looks like for us to live before our kids yeah. as Christian parents. And... Again, we say this all the time, but we really do mean it, that it is both our task and our joy as parents, as carers, as grandparents, as elders, as those who have children in our care, to be the primary disciple makers of our kids. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy in the context of modern Christianity or the subculture of church life where we can so easily defer the leadership of our kids or the ministry of disciple making to other people. And there's times whenever we should do that. We need the resources. We need salty, right? But, (laughs) But at the same time, we also need to inhabit our task, but also our ultimate joy, which is to lead our kids. And a couple of years ago, I was reading a book by a writer called Brian Zand, who said this, um, and, th- and this line's really struck me, where he says that his mission statement for the rest of his ministry and the rest of his life 
is to make Christianity possible for my grandchildren and their generation. I want my eight grandchildren to be able to celebrate Easter for the rest of their lives and for a lifetime. Mm. And my daughter will hopefully, God willing, live into the next century. Yeah. And the question is, what does following Jesus look like then? Mm. And I want to adopt that same mission statement where Eliza is able to grow up celebrating Easter for the rest of her life. And the question is, how do we do that? Like, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we instill that? And I think it is us living before our kids as Christian parents and doing it with them, doing it together. And I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Martin Luther, one of the most significant figures in the history of the church, who uh, the Reformation happened around him, he had this practice every single day of praying what he called the childish doctrines, but only Martin Luther can really say that, praying the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. And he did that daily with his children, little Hans and little Lena. And I think the thing is for, if Martin Luther can do that, right? Yeah. If he can uh, be as sign- play as, as significant a role as he played in the life of the church and still choose to sit down with his yeah. kids and to <laughs> read through yeah. the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer yeah. and to pray them every single day. Like, my goodness, like we need to be doing... Yeah, like I'm not doing a church reformation thing here. Like right. I'm busy, but right. I'm not reforming. Exactly. But he, <laughs> If he can but, do it. <laughs> absolutely. And I think for us, I guess what we're reminding ourselves of as we've worked through this, but also reminding our church is what it means to be a mother and a father. Yeah. And that is for biological mom and dads. It's also for carers, for grandparents, for elders, for friends, for godparents and all of that. But we want to see us inhabit what it means to be a mother and father for yeah. our children um, so that we are able to spiritually lead them into a lifetime of following after Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you this because I'm really interested in what you're going to say, because more than anybody else that I know, you flipping love Christmas. Oh my God. Christmas is your thing. Stop it. Right? Christmas is your thing. And yet you've been on a bit of a journey the past couple of years of reflecting upon and inhabiting the season before Christmas tide, which is the season of Advent. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just, talk us through a little bit of your journey of discovering the richness of this season in preparation for Christmas. Absolutely. Okay. A couple of things I feel like need to be said before I start. Maybe just one thing. I I have no issue with Santa. Sure. I love Santa. Yeah. And he's a part of Christmas. And what about Michael Bublé? (laughs) That's where I draw the line. No. Actually, I love, only, right? don't mess with Michael. Michael is my jam at Christmas. Right. Listen. Right. Don't. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm like, I feel okay. like I shouldn't go there, right? I feel like people want to say stuff, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Sure. We are, we are a Michael Buble church. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> at right. Christmas, only Christmas. Oh, day Christmas. Christmas, yeah. Um, no, I, I grew up, uh, my mother was a single mom. For a lot of my childhood, she was a fantastic mom. Right. And I remember her 
saying. You would think because I grew up the way I did in the church that I grew up in that uh, there were my mother had strong feelings about Mr. Claus. But actually, she it was never like a religious thing. Sure. My mom, who worked three jobs sometimes to put food on the table, used to always say to me, like, just so you, I bought you these gifts. You better yes. know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may thank me. Yeah, yeah. I sacrificed. And so for me, um, I do love Christmas probably more than anybody I know. And yet I never grew up with the narrative that we feed children, the the narrative of Saint Nick, and that's what Christmas is for. Yeah. I never had an elf on the shelf, none of that stuff. Yeah. And those things are fine and they have their place. And, sure. and I think it's wonderful to have those like family traditions, the fun family traditions. But I th- I have thought about this and I realized that I think one of the reasons I love Christmas deeply mm. is that I never had to give part of it up when I got too old. Right. Because the stuff that I was given was forever. Right. It was the family, the yes. feasting, yes. the caroling, all the music, yes. the movies, the coziness, the the all of that. It all translated from it childhood. It all to translated yeah. from childhood to adulthood, and the rest of the stuff that did sort of you age out of was just sort of peripheral for me. Like sure. it was fun. It was like the dressing. It was a little bit of decoration on. Right. And so. That is the beginning of my Christmas journey, yeah. right? Also, my birthday's around Christmas, so yeah, yeah, I know. it was extra yeah. special. But when um, we moved here and we started having kids, obviously, when you have a young family, you engage with Christmas slightly differently because mm. it, it is about creating sure. um, a space for these young people that are filled with this like excitement about everything, yeah. just giving them a space just to be excited. And, and so the question is then, how are we going to deal with Christmas? How are we going to help them experience it? And because I love Christmas so much, and because Christmas has always blessed me so much, mm. I want that for my kids. I want them to really enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Is Christmas awkward sometimes? Yes. Sure. Is Christmas complicated sometimes? Yes. Can it be painful sometimes? Yes. But it can also be one of the most magical times in the year. And so I want, I was like, how do I help them lean into this? Yeah. And so for me also, I don't know if anybody else experiences. I love Christmas. I look forward to it. I put up my decorations. I played all the music. And somehow on the 26th, there was this letdown, this like deflating, sure. this almost like, was that it? And I started to look into that a little bit. And again, I grew up charismatic in a church. I didn't know what Advent was. I didn't know what that was. I, I was like, what is that? I heard the word, but I never sure. knew what actually happened in Advent. Yeah. I actually thought it was like a Catholic thing. Right. And I always secretly wanted to be a Catholic, by the way, when I was a kid. I just felt like they had so many cool things. They like, they had it all. They had the necklaces. They got to get up during church and sit down. They got to, you know what I mean? They knew what was coming. They knew what it was to say. I, the program was written out. They were not there for five <laughs> no, hours. We not. all knew it was going to happen. Right. But I, I thought that wasn't for me. Sure. And so uh, I think it actually was probably in being friends with you and people like you that I was like, oh, this is for all of us. Sure. 
And when I started to actually inhabit Advent, where I took it every day leading up to Christmas, I started mine on December 1st. Yeah. And I, I did a reading. Mm. I, I lit some candles. Mm. I sat by the tree. I actually thought about the story, the Christmas story. And then I, I got a little bit impatient and I sat in that impatience yeah. and I let everything build. And I realized that I was let down on the 26th because I actually never, I didn't celebrate the whole of Christmas. Yeah. It was like, just like basically the week of Christmas, the yeah. few days yes. I was like. And it's there and then it's gone. It's there and then it's gone. But I never actually did it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like the 25th is like this massive celebration of what I should have been doing. Right. For the 24 days leading up to that. Right. And so now, when I tell you now, you thought I was obsessed with Christmas. Now? It's next level. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's amazing. I, like, I experience it in a completely different way now, in such a deep way. Yes. Such a fulfilling way. I, yes. I come out of Christmas, and I feel closer to Jesus. I really do. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. And it is really all about that preparation. Yeah. Just preparing yourself, preparing your family for well, it. Well, that is exactly what it is. You know, it's like... When you the feast, mm. I'm I love having people over. Mm -hmm. I love doing big meals. Yeah. And honestly, I could say that I find just as much excitement in the preparation of the meal. Yeah. As I do of the eating of the meal. Yeah. The laying my table. Oh my gosh. Honestly, like if I could just lay a table. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm coming across. You a lay really a good weird. table, though. I yeah. do lay you a do, good. You do lay I have a good numerous tablecloths table yeah. too. Oh, I know. Now. I know. You like do. I'm an adult. Yeah. I have lots of tablecloths. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> but that's. I honestly feel like that. That's what Advent is for me. It's a good visualization mm. of like. It's the laying of the table. Right. It's the preparing yes. of the feast. It's the thawing out of the meat. It's the yes. The the making of the list of who to buy. It's it's. All of these things, but on a spiritual and a deeper soul yeah. level, it's the preparation. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. I, th I think as I think through this season, which does mean a lot to me, the season of Advent, I have found myself returning over and over again to the idea that it is a moment in our year where we get to experience something which we don't get to experience enough of as Christians. I know what and you're going to say. As, yeah, as people who engage in the life of the church, which is wonder. I knew you were going to say that. Listen, to know Stu is to know there's a l certain list of words sure. that is on, like, I link them to you. It's like bingo. And, yeah. Bingo. 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 Stop playing. No. But, <laughs> One of those words that I have heard come out of your mouth over and over again is wonder. Mm. And um, it's you've you've in my knowing of you, it's piqued my curiosity. Right. And I every time you say it, my ears sort of perk up because I'm I'm learning this sort of way of approaching life. Sure. So tell me, speak more into that and yeah. what that means for for you. How do you link that with Advent? I think, well, there's a number of things. I think that Advent is utterly audacious. Okay. The The idea, the reality that God himself would become like us. Yeah. Would choose our frame. That God himself, the long expected Jesus, we would find him 
born of a passing teenage girl mm. and a major in Bethlehem. Yeah. Advent is utterly audacious. And we, because we have, both of us have grown up through church, and I didn't sit for five hours, I sat for two hours mm -hmm. in, in church growing up. I definitely had the mints, I definitely had the, the pencil and the paper as well. But there's an over-familiarity with Christmas, yeah. with the nativity, because it's just so ingrained in our lives and in, and in culture that it just becomes a bit over-familiar. And so the wonder of Christmas just gets lost yeah. so often. It just goes over our heads. And yet I think there's an opportunity for us every single year to become, as Eugene Peterson would say, to become a community of wonder, mm. a people who gather around the cradle of Christ once again. And just to reflect on just simply how audacious this is and mm. allow a sense of awe to build up within us. And I think Advent is the perfect time for us to do that. And I think, well, the people who get this the most are our kids. They yeah. get wonder. Mm -hmm. We grew up out of wonder and mm -hmm. we kind of think, ah, that's for the kids and we'll carry on with our to-do lists and our tasks and our calendars and whatever. And we lose this sense of wonder. And I think actually there's an invitation for us as parents, for uh, those who have kids in their care, to allow our kids to lead us into wonder once again, Absolutely. to lead us into mystery. And uh, you know, Jesus himself says that truly, truly, I tell you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven, yeah. right? Like he, he is inviting us to this sense of wonder, this sense of amazement at, the fact that God would become like one of us because he loves us so much. And for me, the hero of wonder, the one who inspires me the most is Brother Lawrence, mm. who, uh, a monk who lived in an abbey, but his primary kind of working task in the abbey was to be like a porter. He was the kind of guy who cleaned the dishes in the kitchen. And there were times whenever you read his, the account of his life, there'd be times whenever he would just be cleaning dishes in a kitchen in the abbey and he would say that he was filled with the grandeur of this infinite being mm. and he did it in the kitchen he was struck by completely undone by the wonder of the presence of god yeah. as he was just like scrubbing dirty dishes yeah. uh, and there's something about the coming together of the mystery of God, which, as Paul says in Colossians 2, is Christ Jesus, or as he says in Colossians 1, that the mystery of God that has been withhold or withheld from us, mm -hmm. hidden from us for generations, is now made known in Christ, in us the hope of glory. There is something about the coming together of this mystery of Jesus being made known in the most ordinary parts of our lives. Absolutely. Our kitchens, yeah. our car journeys, our conversations with our kids, uh, our kids' bedrooms, the mm -hmm. walking along the road together. There's something of the coming together of this wonder in the most ordinary spaces of our lives, Absolutely. which, like, that's what I long for. I long that for my, I want that for me. I want that for my family. I want that for your family. Yeah. I want that for our church. Um, there's this beautiful story that Brennan Manning talks about where he uh, shares a, a French version of the nativity story, which mm. is recounted every year. And I like Provence. it already. It's good. Like, just, just, just you wait. <laughs> so there are four shepherds who make their way to Bethlehem to visit Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And uh, they're 
the four shepherds, they carry gifts with them. So the first shepherd, he brings along some bread. Mm. The second shepherd brings some cheese. Uh, the third shepherd brings some wine. Like, mm. come on. Okay. Yeah, I like, like that's this. That's a good this is combo. Kind of yes. But there's a four shepherd who doesn't bring anything with him at all. And they call him, my French is awful, so I might picture this, but uh, they call him Le Chante. Okay. And so the shepherds, they arrive at the stable. They arrive at the place where Mary has given birth. And the three shepherds, they come and they present their gifts, the mm -hmm. bread, the wine, and the cheese. And they spend time talking to Mary and Joseph. They say how amazing Mary looks, even though she's just given birth, and, <laughs> and how well Joseph's uh, doing. They say how cozy the place is. And they just say, if there's anything that we can do to help, just let us know. And they spend some time talking. And then they look around, and one of the shepherds says to another, where is Le Chante? Mm -hmm. And they can find him. He wasn't there. And then one of them, after searching, pulls back the curtain that is hanging from the ceiling, which is just covering Jesus in his cradle. Uh, and they pull it back to find Le Chante, or the enchanted one, mm -hmm. on his knees, leaning over the crib, whispering over and over again, Jesus, Jesus, mm. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Mm. As I pray for my 14-week-old daughter, mm -hmm. and as Emma and I have been praying for her um, for the past number of months, I long for my daughter to be the enchanted one. Mm. I long for me to be the enchanted one. Mm. I long for Emma for you, for Andy, for your kids. I long for our church to be known as the enchanted ones. Yeah. Uh, Carl Rayner says that um, the devout Christians of the future will be mystics, those who experience the presence of God, or they will cease to be anything at all. And as we consider what it looks like to be Christians in the future, we need to be those who prioritize the practice of the presence of God. And that begins by us opening ourselves up to wonder and also opening up the opportunity or the possibility that we can experience this wonder in the most ordinary, domestic of places, our kitchens, the car journeys, our kids' bedrooms, the conversations that we have along the road. And so for me, that is what Advent is all about. It's an opportunity to become a mystic, that? you know. I love, because when I'm around you and you talk about wonder, I... At the beginning of my journey around Advent, yeah. I would have said definitely lost the wonder, right. just in general. Sure. I've just lost the wonder of my faith. Like, I've, I've been around it. I didn't lose the love of it. Yeah. I was deeply connected to it, but I would not have described uh, how I saw the story of God and his interaction in my life and his presence as, as I would not describe myself as being full of wonder. Right. And when I hear you and have heard you talk about wonder over the years... Mm. I was encouraged because the way you talk about wonder is a choice. It's not yeah. something that happens to you and yes. can be taken from you. Yes. And so when we first started celebrating Advent, we bought um, an Anne Voss, Voss Camp book yes. called Unwrapping the Greatest Gift, which is a wonderful resource. We still use it, and we'll still use it in addition to this resource sure. this year because it's just so important to our family. Mm. And uh, we did that for about two years. I didn't. I don't. I wouldn't say that I felt overwhelmingly wondrous yeah but so i don't know what happened between when we first started it and now but um i don't I, christmas day i love it i love the food i love it all i love getting my gifts let's just be honest i love giving my gifts 
But the thing now that I look forward to in Christmas is Advent. Yeah. Is the preparation. And I have to say that if I had to describe how I feel about Advent and about that time, I am full of wonder, yeah. even more so than the rest of the year. I'm trying to figure out how to put it in the rest of my I'm just, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But I, I am full of that wonder. That ch I feel like a kid. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And it has nothing to do with the gifts. It has nothing to do with the stuff, with the shopping. And it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's the embracing of mm. the story of God. It's, it's slowing down and saying, you did what now? Right. You chose who? Yes. And yes. it is captivating. And so I say that to say for a lot of families and parents listening to this today, mm. If you don't feel like it, that's cool. Like, yeah. you don't need to feel like it. Yes. If you don't feel the wonder, it's okay. You're in good company. Yes. It, it's in the doing. It's in the choosing. It's in the re-looking at the story day after day. And at yes. some stage, the, there's this in-breaking of the presence of God. And you go, this is crazy. Yeah. Yes. And also in the most everyday ordinary of circumstance Absolutely. which is what advent opens us up to the possibility of um uh, we're gonna wrap things up but i'd love for you to pray the candle lighting liturgy that we're going to be calling families to pray every single day mm -hmm. in the lead up to christmas day and we're going to talk about this more in the next episode but we want to create a moment where our families gather together in the context of their home to pray, to read the scriptures, but it begins with the lighting of a candle, mm -hmm. this tactile moment where we get to set everything down for a moment and our attention is drawn to the light of the world. And I'd love for you just to close out our time by praying that for us. I will definitely do that. I love this because um, it, it wasn't my idea, it was your idea actually. And in this moment where you physically come together as a family, and then you light this candle, which some, there's something about fire, yeah. candle, that draws people even closer and makes a moment feel even more intimate, isn't right. it? So let's pray. Emmanuel, we make room for you this Advent. Fill our hearts with expectation. Fill our home with your presence. As we wait and as we welcome you, May the light of your life awaken us to the wonder of your arrival. Emmanuel, you are the light of the world. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are going to continue this conversation in the next episode as we walk us through what a day looks like using this prayer book, what morning looks like, what this time together looks like, and what evening looks like. Um, if you want to find out more information about all of this, you can head to our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com forward slash habit, where you'll be able to access the booklet. Um, if you're part of our community, there'll be lots of booklets available in the venue and also in the church office on Bachelor's Walk. Um, but that's us done for the first episode. Thank you so much for listening. Grace and peace to all of you and your home. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>